And you're very welcome back to the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. It is, of course, a focus on the Women's World Cup and that all-important clash tomorrow with Canada for the Irish Girls in Green. It's going to be an exciting time ahead. Aaron Clark joins me. He's in the stadium ahead of the game tomorrow in Perth. Uh, just after the press conference, we're going to chat to him about that. We're also going to be looking back at the Avenir Cup final. We'll be hearing from the victorious manager, Phil Trill, after his Galway side won their first senior cup in their maiden year in the competition. And we'll also have a little bit of a chat with um, the director of the League of Ireland, Mark Scanlon, who'll be joining us to chat about what exactly that means for the competition. But it is mostly all about the World Cup, as all women's football is at the moment. Aaron, uh, what's it like in Perth? What's the atmosphere like uh, one day out from a, a brunch game against Canada? I think there's a bit of nervousness in the, in the, in the air, especially, especially considering a, a loss tomorrow for Ireland would send them out of the World Cup. So I think there's a little bit of tension there. Bit of an injury scare at the moment from the from the Ireland viewpoints. There was talk Louise Quinn traveled to Perth in a boot, a protective protective boot to protect herself from an injury she picked up in the game. There was talk that she would be okay. Yesterday she just trained where she only did running stuff, and then today she's out. Today the talk in the press conference for is that she's a little concerned. She does think she will play, but she needs to see how she goes through the final session tonight. The team are training in literally half an hour, a little bit away, and sort of a little bit of fear as to how Louise will, Louise will sort of cope with that. Other than that, I think I think it's just excitement. I think there's a lot of Irish fans in town. Another big, another big game. So there's not many tickets available. A couple of resale tickets here and there, but it'll be a packed atmosphere. The pitch is currently covered at the minute. The rain, it's been raining here in Perth today. First bit of rain since uh, leaving Ireland, although the Irish have had a lot in the last week or two. But yeah, it's um, it's, it's building up nicely. It's it's getting exciting. Vera was sort of talking a little bit, was talking about you know play, how they're going to play and stuff like that tomorrow. We will see the same back five. There's no doubt there, there may be probably one change to the side that played the last day. I suspect that'll be Larkin Makeman, potentially former Risa Shiva. Um, other than that, I think it'll probably be the same 10, 10 the 11 bar. If Louise doesn't play, if she does play, if she doesn't play, then I'd expect probably Diane Caldwell maybe to come in. But yeah, it's, it's building up nicely. Canadians know themselves that they need a result, having drawn Nilo in Nigeria. And Ireland players, Kira Grusin was talking at the press conference about taking a lot of confidence from the fact that Nigeria got a nil-all draw with Canada. The girls watched it on their way back from Sydney to Brisbane. So it's it's one that a lot of Irish players have, have a lot of excitement at the minute, especially with the fact that it's another it's a big game. It's a big opportunity. This is the stage you want to be on. A lot of talk about the travel from from Perth, from Brisbane to Perth. Vera sort of pushed it off a little bit, being like, yeah, you've traveled the other side of the world from Ireland to Australia, you're doing this little bit of extra travel isn't, isn't that isn't the most, isn't the worst. And Gary Cruz has sort of said the players are well recovered as well. So there'll be no excuse from Ireland on the travel fronts if, if things don't go well tomorrow. But excited, looking forward to it. Um, we're literally what a little bit over 23 hours, 27 hours away from, from another massive crunch encounter for Ireland. Yeah, no, it's uh, big times ahead for Ireland, and hopefully we'll uh, see them get at least a point that will keep their hopes alive of getting out of the group. I think it's uh, it's going to be an exciting time. Uh, the way the group looks at the moment, let's just uh, share that with you. If we just zoom in on the actual league table there, we have uh, Canada uh, currently in second place in the group. They are on one point after their draw with Nigeria last week. Ireland currently pointless, but uh, a draw or a victory tomorrow will give them a really good chance of uh, a winner-take-all clash with Nigeria at the end uh, in the, the third round of games uh, in just a couple of days' time in Brisbane. It's uh, it's all to play for really over the next couple of days, Aaron. 
the only problem with this is Brefney is the fact that if Ireland get a draw, they go to they go to Brisbane then with everything out out of their hands, knowing quite well that they need kind of slip up against against Australia then to sort of to, to give them the passage or not to win against Australia, to give them the passage. Whereas I think that's why realistically it's sort of a it's, it's a it is a must win game. Like I think a draw a draw will be quite difficult because you'll be you'll be sort of having to watch the other game, see what's going on. It'll add an awful lot more attention. But I do think you're right in what you're saying. You made a bold prediction the other day, and I still remember that prediction where you said that there's a potential that Ireland could carry the group with two points. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense as to why you've said it, especially considering it could come down to who loses who loses by the least to Australia. But tomorrow, the biggest thing for Ireland is that they have to show more on the attack in front. Can't afford to show the defensiveness that we showed in the last game because realistically, if we're that defensive again, there's no point in trying to change in the last 20 minutes when you chase a game. That's not gonna. That's not gonna work. I think we need to be be more clever, clever, be more careful, and and sort of be calculated and look to go for it. But I find it difficult to see if we're changing anything. If I'm being honest. Top stories coming out of the press conference today. You've mentioned the Louise Quinn injury. That's a concern for everybody. Uh, she's so important to that team. But um, some interesting comments from the Canadian manager as well that you uh, you pointed out to me before we went on air. Yeah, Canadian manager sort of, I, I, a lot of people, it depends what way you interpret it, sort of calling Ireland a horrible team. I understand where she's coming from in terms of the way Ireland play. It's not always pretty, it's not always, but she talked about how Ireland are going to have to sort of, uh, Canada are going to have to sort of move the ball quickly, the wet surface if it, if it rains like it's expected tomorrow and Perth could help them an awful lot because they'll need to zip the ball left and right to try and break down the Ireland attack because real, the Ireland defence, because realistically the way Ireland sit in, they just sit in their two, they'll sit in their two banks and They'll, they'll defend for their lives like we looked at the other day i know the penalty incident that we've talked about already but marissa shiva who was one of our four, one of our more attacking players is back in back defending and i expect an awful lot an awful lot of that tomorrow again from ireland like i think they'll make it really really difficult for canada to break them down i think for canada they might have to do something a little bit creative to to sort of get past ireland like you look at the other day Courtney Brosnan wasn't very, very busy. I sort of thought she'd be a lot more busy than, than she was. I think Mackenzie Arnold probably had a little bit more to do, but they were a lot of them were just from set players coming in, or set players and crosses coming into the box that she was pushing away. So, like, realistically, from a Canada viewpoint, they're, they're going to come into the game. They're going to think they need to win the game because they know they're going to have Australia, Australia last and they don't want to go chasing the result against Australia. So there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of pressure on Canada or they're going to have to soak up an awful lot of it. And if they can, if they can nick something on the counter, they could nick a goal. Your only concern is is that if Ireland go chasing the goal with 20 minutes to go, are they just going to lump Louise Quinn up top again and, and sort of hope hope the best if she's fit? If she's not, will they, will they lump someone like Diane Caldwell or Nifahi up top? I'm not sure that always works. Like realistically, if you if you look back at the games, how many times have has it actually produced a goal? There's been not many that I can think that I that I can count on. And I think that's that's your sort of fear is that that's Ireland's plan B. Whereas I'd like to see, okay, let's let's try something. Like, to be honest, for me, if we're one 0 down in the game against Canada with 20 minutes to go, I'd rather lose this game three 0 trying something than lose it one 0 lump Louise going up top and just hoping for the best and no disrespect to Louise I think Louise is a vital cog in that defence and but it just hasn't worked from an Ireland viewpoint and will she, will she bring on Amber Barra the other day sort of showed she didn't really want to bring her on the France game I know there's a lot of talk about the substitutes and stuff like that will she I'm just not sure whether 
she'll utilise. I think she she's setting a stone or having Kira Caruso up top. I'd like to see maybe Ireland change it and have a go. But I just think it'd be in order in order defensive display and it could be a difficult yeah. game for for a lot of people to watch. I think she she clearly let her stall out when she didn't select Leanne Kieran and coming back from injury, like we look at the impact in this morning's game. Okay, they lost the game New Zealand, but they brought on a girl who had been injured um in the build up to the competition. She hasn't kicked the ball since April. She's in the New Zealand squad. Uh, Olivia Chance. She came on half time and she turned the game now. Couldn't find the equaliser, but they did have the ball in the net once or twice and uh, ruled out for offside in this morning's games. I'm not sure how much of you caught it. You might have been travelling to her. I, from literally, the I, I wouldn't mind. I literally seen the header that went into the net. I was thinking, all right, lovely, one all. They're going to come on and kick on. Walk from the walk from the press conference down the stairs into the media centre and looked. Score oh, still is one yeah, but Olivia Chance is an example of a player who, who could change that game and she didn't change the score fair enough but she did change the actual the style of play and it went from kind of a, a, a relatively level-ish game New Zealand did shade that open half despite going in 1-0 uh, down but um, they dominated the second half and she was the key difference and I think Leanne Kiernan has that ability to change a game I'm not so sure that we have that on the bench even with Amber Barrett available, I think Amber offers some some things. She's great on the break. She's great um, with that run over the top and the ball in behind that she can run onto. Uh, would we get away with that against the Canadian side? I think they might be capable of managing to, to counteract that. I'm not sure if Amber is the right person. I know I'll probably get grief for that because the whole country seems to think that um, the world, in terms of women's football, started when we beat Scotland last week last year. Um, Amber hasn't had the best club season coming into this. She hasn't been on form. Um, we saw some flashes from her in the warm-up games uh, where she shows she should be getting a shot. But I don't think Vera rates her. I don't think Vera wants her in the team. I think she'd have played her the last day if she did. The Louise Quinn thing, uh, injuries aside, if she's fit, if she's available, I don't think she gives a, enough of an option up front. I don't think it's a, it's just a, a battering ram, really. And I think Karen Duggan's quote uh, immediately after the game on RT the other day was that it's not a, it's not a plan B. It's not a plan. It's it's a hope, and that's not good enough at this level. I think we need to have alternatives, and I don't think believe I don't believe Vera has the alternatives in the squad at the moment. I think that's the but problem. The thing is, though, Prefty, there's been there was an article today. Um, I wasn't. I, I didn't sit in. I wasn't able to sit in on, on the on the huddle the other day because uh, because it's, it was for the written guys only. But there was an article the other day where she was sort of talking about how the back the back five is sort of it, it limits Ireland's attack, and she she's aware of that as well. It massively limits Ireland's attack. It's, it, it limits us to to feeding off scraps. It limits us to to struggling and getting these sort of things. And like realistically, yes, you're at a World Cup, but like. A lot of people have no expectations on Ireland actually doing well at this World Cup. Uh, probably outside a limited number of people had expectations, and like realistically, like we need to go and show them something. We can't just go and play play five uh, five at the back and five maybe maybe five across the middle, and just hope for the best and hope for a last ten minutes and up and up top. Like for me, I don't think we utilised Heather Payne properly. I don't think we utilised Katie McKay properly. Like we didn't see Denise O'Sullivan on the ball an awful lot in the last game either. Sinead Farrelly probably didn't touch the ball as much as she should have. Like, there's a lot of things that we could have done better to utilise that game. But yeah, everybody talks about the last 20 minutes about how Ireland sort of went on the attack and things like that. But yes, they went on the attack. But what did we actually... I agree with you. We're, we're capable of an awful lot more than this. We have to remember, um, 
this isn't the Irish men's team. We don't have that absolute depth or a lack of a depth of, of talent in a squad. We have players at the top, and I mean the top clubs across both the US and the UK. We're looking at Katie McCabe is in the Champions League semi-finals. Uh, three of the top four teams in the NWSL at the moment are where the three girls that we have playing for us. Okay, Marissa Sheep is not getting I mean, a huge amount of game time uh, with Washington Spirit, but she's getting probably on in every single game. She's in that mix. She's in the 13 or 14 players that they use. Um, Denise Sullivan's ever-present, played every minute for North Carolina Courage. If she's fit, she's in the team. Perfect. Sinead Farley and played every game since since she came back in, in March or April. So I have to give you a name here for a second. Right? You're talking about the NWSL. Nicole Douglas had declared for Ireland. She was in a couple of training camps early in the start early in the start of the before the campaign and stuff like that. She's an Irish passport. She's playing in Washington Spirit. She was drafted in the third round of the NWSL. She's a forward. Like the thing is, she's someone who scored goals, scored goals for fun in college level in, in America and NWSL Division One. Like there's players like that. There is players out there, but the problem is, is unless you're in Vera's good books, you haven't got a, you you won't be in that squad. And like to reflect back to the likes of Leanne Kerdeman, the other game would have been, the other day would have been made for the likes of Leanne Kerdeman to come on and, and actually have a have a little bit of a run, have a have a run at them. Like even having Katie McCabe as, as the defending, like. It's, it's, for me, yes, she plays a lot of left back for Arsenal, but when, when you've got a team who you've got a couple of players who are quality, quality players, as you said, and then you've got a couple of players who are maybe just hard workers and, and things like that, you need to utilize your team around the players who are going to give you the capabilities and give you the emphasis going forward. And I just don't think at the minute we're doing that. And like, yes, everybody talks about a lot of positives in the Australia game, but there's so many frustrations in the Australia game. And the problem is, is if Canada, if Canada decides they want to show up tomorrow, and can the best Canada decides they want to show up and sh- tries to get a lot of frustrations out from the Nigeria game, it could be a really, really difficult game for Ireland. Like we're talking about Nigeria, who are the best team in Africa. I've said this to you before: their ranking doesn't do them justice. They yeah. don't play enough of the top teams because of the money. And like we see pre-World Cup, the stuff about finances and stuff like that, they don't have the money to play the likes of your USA's or your your teams like that and, and build up the ranking. So. It's, it's probably it's a lot better uh, Nigeria team than than, than we've seen. So, like I think I think Canada for the fact yes that Christine Sinclair missed penalty, but like I think Canada will take an awful lot from that game coming into the Ireland game, and Ireland will have to be at the, uh, fully up and fully ready to go because I think um, Brett Priestman even said that she's learned an awful lot from from watching Ireland against against Australia as well. She's expecting the fact that there'll be an awful lot of Irish here at the game as well. She knows that. We've got a lot. Of, we've got a lot of Irish in Perth as well, and plus the ones who are travelling. So, like, it's going to be a difficult day for Ireland. And people who think, well, Canada, just because they, they maybe they haven't won as many games as they should have in the last last year or so, they're still ranked seventh in the world. They're still the top top team, and it's not going to be an easy game at all. And we need to be able to adapt because even if it's nil all with twenty minutes to go, settling for a point might be good. Might be good enough. And the Irish mindset or a mentality of you know, oh, it should be we're here to we're here to take part and we should be really going and pushing to try and get it get a positive result and, and, and really look at these two games and see what can we do to actually push us on and can we can we take six points from them? But if we play five at the back to ninety minutes of both games, we won't take the six points and that's just the that's just the the thing about it. 
Yeah, well, you caught up with Sinead Farley over the weekend. Uh, tell Intro this piece for us. We're going to hear a little bit from her. Yeah, I had, a, had an opportunity to go to the Irish team hotel and like, Sinead's she was you could see she, you could see how much it meant to her i know from speaking when she was speaking to others she was talking about um learning the national anthem and stuff like that we were talking a little bit about it today that like a lot of people think Sinead farley made contact with ireland's after we qualified for the world cup she made contact Vera was talking about it she made contact last last summer before we'd even we'd even played the last couple of quali- qualifiers sort of talking about, about coming back so She's an interesting character. I've got to sit, I've got to chat with her a couple of times now, and every time I get to chat with her, you sort of leave, you, you, you leave the piece, sort of, I would say, knowing that she's dedicated to the cause, and it's it's always amazing when when we talk with our players, especially talk about the crowds that we've had in the last week and stuff like that. And I think Sinead's someone who's going to really add an awful lot to this Ireland team, and I expect a big performance out of her tomorrow evening. Yeah, let's hear what she had to say for herself a couple of day, days ago when you chatted her in that team hotel. For you, what was it like stepping out onto the pitch for the first time, especially putting your own back playing football since this year? Yeah, I mean, that whole atmosphere, sorry, was crazy. Just walking through the tunnel and then coming out, it was so loud and you could just hear the Irish fans and um, it was kind of surreal. It just like felt like a movie a little bit. Um, it's almost like... You want to, I'm like trying so hard to be present and also you're like out of your body a little bit and um, it didn't feel real and I was just in my own head trying to like get ready for the game. So I think there was a lot of things going on, but it's definitely something I'm going to like look back on and remember obviously forever. Considering you would have been one of the players who would come in late to it, you may not, you've only experienced playing in Tallow once. Mm -hmm. What sort of expectation did you have of the Irish crowd that were going to travel and going to be there? Were the players, the other guys telling you much? Um... Honestly, like, I just, just from what everyone was saying, I knew, like, the Irish fans were going to show up and be loud, and um, when I saw them, I was like, hell yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, so I, I wasn't surprised, um, because they've just been so amazing, so supportive. We heard how many people were going to come and how much just support we've had, so it was just, like, validating in that way, but just so amazing, yeah. In terms of the game itself against Australia, more minutes for you in a, in a, in a green jersey. Were you happy with your overall performance or, when you know, coming off early is never, is never what you want, but were you happy enough with your overall performance? I think where I'm at, like, I would have liked to touch the ball more. I think that's always, like, hard, especially when you're just playing more defensive. But I think that where I'm at right now, like, I'm just proud of myself for, like, showing up and um, being there and, you know, playing my role. And obviously, still, I want to do better, do more going forward in the next games. Ask about the knockout, the knockout feel of it. Does that take pressure off, or does that add more pressure? I think it just depends on how you look at it. Like I think there, there's always pressure, but I think that it depends on like how you alchemize that into into what you want. And I think we can use that as motivation, and I think this team will. Uh, Sinead Farley's thoughts there, and some interesting uh, thoughts from her in terms of um, she was happy just to show up, Aaron, your own thoughts on that. Is that a bit of a concern? Because I talked about this a bit on the show, and I don't want to rehash stuff, but there seems to be a kind of an almost happiness just to be there from Ireland, that they don't necessarily, even though they've got this out-believe hashtag, um, they don't necessarily seem to believe that they're at the same tournament as the USA's and the Australia's and the Canada's. I think from her, it's probably a bit of a, a different prospect, though, actually means of her, the fact that 
like when she retired, she had a car crash, things like that. She never thought she'd, she'd probably get back and play this level. I do get where you're coming from in terms of some player, you know, it, it can seem like people are just happy to be here. Like, it's the problem. The problem is, is that, like, when you go to a major tournament for the first time, what expectations do you set? Are we setting higher expectations than maybe they are? Or what, what are the conversations they're having secretly? Because I think I think for some of them, I think they're also probably trying to be a little bit careful to make sure that they're not, how would you say, giving too much away or they're not seeming as if they're, you know, they expect what the expectation is. Because I think even when you when you chat to Vera, I think or you don't seem to get an awful lot out of what the expectation, what the actual expectation is. It's, it's sort of a, a game by game situation. I do see where I do see that sort of things from like from Sinead, considering where she was. A lot she probably never thought she'd play football again. Interesting enough, for you just looking um, at the stats that sort of come in, like from from the FAI even today, like Rusha Little John was the player who covered the most ground in the, in the Australia game. Considering Rusha is someone who probably hasn't trained an awful lot in terms of performance, hasn't played an awful lot, so that reflects back to to what you were saying about the likes of Leanne Kern and Rusha sort of struggled for injuries this year with Aston Villa and goes into a World Cup as the has the most distance covered and she was a couple of hundred meters ahead of ahead of, ahead of pain and then like even Louise Quinn covered nearly nearly nine point eight K in that in that sort of game and like from an from an Irish viewpoint it was it was extremely defensive for large periods and like it's you don't wanna you don't wanna criticize and say like we we need to we want to see players talk more about we, we have to get here or we have to get there because then if if they say that and then it doesn't happen, people are just going to crucify them. I think there's a bit of a fine balance with that. And yeah, it's probably on us to say, you know, we'd like to see them talking a bit more like that. But I think I think they're trying to be a bit realistic as well. Yeah, potentially. Uh, taking a look around the rest of the groups, there's uh, been some excitement. First, of course, um, or the second, should I say, round of, uh, of group games kicked off this morning. New Zealand uh, heroes in the first round with their big victory over Norway, beaten this morning by the Philippines, and to see the celebrations of their first victory at a Women's World Cup final, you can see how much it meant to them. I'm not going to lie. If you were to ask me, would I have seen that coming? I would have said no. But interesting enough, um, girls on the ball who are here as well, they cover Ireland and England. Um, one of them had actually predicted that Philippines may actually get out of group. So they're not they're not too surprised. But it, it was a massive, a massive result for them. The problem with New Zealand is the fact that they got such a massive high after beating Norway. That result now just completely opens the group up. And, and with the game that's on at the minute, if if, if that finishes a draw, that group is going to be unbelievable going into the last round of games. Like it's great to see all the all the sort of teams have played their first game now. The last of them obviously being this morning, and it really kicks off. It really kicks off. I'm not gonna lie. I hope you can't hear that car going by. We uh, we, we can. It's fine. Keep going. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit envious of not really being able to watch all the games over here. It's 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 quite frustrating with the fact they're all on up the sport and it's all the pay per view. Like. Even going through into some some bars yesterday, most of them aren't open. I think I don't know if you seen my tweet yesterday. I forgot to put the picture to it. I was absolutely peed off. Went to the fan zone and it's not open yesterday or today in Perth. Yes, yet there was three games on yesterday, three games on today. What's the logic? Yes, <laughs> I'm so sorry, like there, there's there's elements of kind of I don't think this will be acceptable at a men's World Cup about a a lot of stuff. Um, 
and that's kind of a, an example for me of things. I did have the good fortune of seeing Switzerland and Philippines in the first round, and I was very impressed with the Philippines. They recruited really well. Not one of their team that started is born in the Philippines. I think they've got eight or nine from the states, and they're kind of their, their main uh, thirteen or fourteen players. Goalkeeper said Angela, Angela Beard played. played Angela Ireland. Beard played today. She played. She played against Ireland. Yeah, she's three caps for for the uh, for the Aussies before she converted. And there's a Norwegian girl who impressed me uh, very much today. Um, Exvik. She was excellent. She played in England briefly as well, but she's back in Norway now. But she's a uh, she. She ran midfield for them in the in the opening hour before she was taken off, and they just had some really impressive uh, players there as well. Girls born in Australia, and uh, the Norwegian girl, as I mentioned, and, and a couple of uh, a lot of Americans in there too, but all of Filipino descent. But they've just gone on this plan of let's find the best players with uh, a passport, and they've beaten the hosts today. And you talked about players who declared for Ireland and, and haven't been included or looked at. And I think we it's a very fine line. Do you go and just get the best players? And forget about developing a, the sport in a, in a country. I'm not so sure that's necessarily the right idea. Mind you, it did create a, a, a gulf in 1990 that kind of has lasted for the best part of the last 30, 35 years. So um, Jack Charlton maybe had the right idea, but they've done that in the Philippines. It's worked for them. Will they get out of the group? They've got a really tough clash against Norway. It's currently a nil-nil with about 15 minutes to play in that game against Switzerland. So we'll see how that Group B pans out. In terms of some of the other games, we've seen a lot of things go kind of to plan. Germany, we would have expected to win that game fairly heavily. They won 6-0. But France, Jamaica managed to hold them out with, albeit a lot of luck. But they did get out of that jail and, and, uh, and secure a point, And they'll be happy with that performance too. Never expected that. In my wildest dreams, I never expected that to happen. That's being honest with you. A smashing result for Jamaican, especially considering Jamaica, a lot of players that go for me pages and stuff like that to try and raise funds. So when you see that sort of thing happening, it's unbelievable. I think the biggest thing for this excuse me, for this World Cup is that we sort of had the fear with the expansion to 32 teams that we'd see an awful lot more hammerings. Like I predicted and when we had the show a couple of days ago that USA would lose, would be Haiti by about six goals, ended up being 3-0. And I think that's probably, it's shown us that the gap at the bigger, the top, the top teams is closing a little bit, which is good because I always had, I'd be concerned that we we're going to see massive, massive results. Yes, we will see a, a couple, like Germany beat Morocco 6-0. Germany were impressive. And Morocco were great though, let's be honest. Whereas no. Haiti, Haiti came to play, the Philippines have come to play. Um, the Americans just didn't have it their way at all against Haiti. No, no, and and that's the thing. And but then again, I think for the for the World Cup is the, the first. Sorry, game was the most... played Vietnam. What am I talking about? Vietnam. Played Vietnam. England played Haiti. The Haiti goalkeeper against England was by, to my guess, the player of the tournament so far is that goalkeeper. She's what five foot four. She pulled off one of the most amazing penalty saves. Then it gets retaken. And to be fair, she set off. Huh? She said someone said that no. game as well. Uh, late on, yeah, but not her. No, she was excellent. But like, but like, that's the great thing we're talking about stories about players who have done stuff in the world, you know. Whereas, you're, if you look back to the, to the 20 to the 2019 World Cup, we're talk, probably talking about the hammerings that are going to happen here, the hammerings that are going to happen there. Like, the Jamaica result is probably the, the result of the World Cup, and it probably will be the entire result of the entire World Cup. That's that's the, the best thing about it is that. We're seeing this more. We're seeing this more and more. Like realistically, you, you I probably think you're underplaying. 
I think you're underplaying the Philippines today. I, I watched that game. I, I covered it on the platform here. Um, they were excellent. Now, they weren't the better side in the match, but they're ranked 46th yeah, but, coming into yeah, that game yeah, against then, the host in their capital with a, a full crowd, buzzing, confidence at all-time high after their victory over Norway, and they up, upset the apple cart. Now, again, they rolled their luck. Their goalkeeper pulled off an amazing save three or four minutes in time. Um, but the Philippines, I think... For me, but the fact that we're able to talk at two or three different Haiti with a fantastic performance against England, um, the gap is closed. So the gap between the like the top eight or ten countries and say numbers twenty-five to thirty-two in this competition is not as big as it would have been four years ago between even the top eight and the bottom eight in twenty-four teams. Yeah, and that's 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 the best thing about that's the best thing about, and I think like for women's football. It has to continue to go in, in, the, in the trend that is going in terms of the gaps because the, the worst problem is always going to be the money between the bigger nations the bigger countries all the money that they have but like if you've got if you've got a well-organized team and a, a team a well-organized team can beat it's it can beat aside it was all the money yes they might have to ride their luck they might have to hold out for, for a lucky deflection or a lucky goal but like what it means to them and I, I get where you're coming from when you talk about the Philippines win today because like as you say it is against the hosts in in the host country like, but like I just I just think I don't know I just think the Jamaican one's just that little bit bigger just because you're of the just, fact that you're trying to really have cool run, runnings that's all you're doing at the moment <laughs> we're running out of time we have so much to get through and we do have games to, to kind of get through let's talk about um some of the other teams just to finish up obviously this morning we saw victories there uh, for colombia they've got their games up and running that they're the last two teams against south korea to get in colin bell of course former ireland manager um he'll be disappointed with that uh, results in terms of uh, going down to colombia south korea would have been expected to compete better maybe than that yeah i, w- I would have thought they would have but then again this colombian side probably have a bit of point to prove especially after what happened with ireland they were probably a bit Peed off and having to having to sit on the sidelines and nearly wait till the last round, last game of the first round. I'd say they were ju- they were just itching to go. Like they're not a bad side, Colombia. They're not a bad side. They're not. Yes, they're a, they're a physical side, but like it's not a bad. It's not a result that you'd say is a is a shock. And like if if they can back this up in the next round, in the next round, we could easily see a Colombian side in the last sixteen and then. <laughs> Any ball, any balls, uh, any game, it's any game for any, any side. And I think South Korea, yes, they'll be extremely disappointed. Like, I always remember when Colin Bell took the South Korea job, the first thing he done was he played them a video of Katie Taylor and sort of showed them what it meant for someone to represent their country. And, like, he'd be disappointed. But considering he's got Ireland to bounce back a couple of times from, from difficult places, I wouldn't be surprised if Bell can get them to bounce back and get a win or so in the World Cup. Yeah, but at the same time, with Germany coming down the tracks in the final group game, it's going to be difficult to see them get out of that group now, despite against a, a subpar Morocco side, but uh, even still, uh, going to be difficult for them to uh, to get out of that group. So South Korea could be over before it's even got started uh, with that victory or with that defeat this morning. New Zealand, uh, they're also under pressure now, haven't failed to, to get out of that game today. They'll face a, a Swiss side uh, who are... Remember confidence, although they're struggling to beat Norway today. It's nil-nil with about seven minutes left in the clock in that game as we speak. Uh, looking back through... Hedeberg, Hedeberg pulling out on Norway. Yeah, 
what's your thoughts on that? Is it a genuine injury or are we looking at a bit of petulance? Because she's been well, known to kind of make stands and, and have, have very strong opinions that she's not scared to shy away from, or that she's not scared well, to be very vocal about. They're saying it's illness. Um, That's not what well, was said on RT before the game. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't. That's what was said in the press box here. I don't. I don't know, Briefly, it's, it's a very strange one. It's a very strange one. So late on, um, just for the people who haven't seen it, maybe um, she came out. She stood for the anthems, did everything. She captained the side, and then just walked off the pitch, literally between the anthems and uh, thing, and was had to be substituted because she's obviously on the team list. So I didn't. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I didn't even hear she. I, I heard. I, I what I was hearing was in at the end of the, after warm up. I didn't realize the actual game and start. She'd come out and done the. Oh, no, I, I actually I, I didn't catch that bit, but from the RT commentary at halftime, it seemed that that's what happened. But she was definitely on the pitch, did the warm up, was led the team out, was part of the whole intro to the game, and then just walked out down the tunnel and end the story. But this is a girl, of course, who didn't play for Norway for five years on on the basis of how the and rightly so on, in terms of how the the FA in Norway were treating the side. So uh, well able to take a to, to put her own thing across. I'm sure it's not that last we'll hear of it or maybe it is just genuinely an illness that she uh, couldn't uh, take part in we might never know why do you why, why do you why do you wait so late that's that's the question why do you wait well so we've late? all we've all been caught short with with issues at, at various times and you never know what is going through uh, a squad at the moment anyway let's move on quickly because uh trying to run out not we're running out of time uh more close to home i don't know if you got a chance to catch the avenue cup final at the weekend Galway and cliftonville it's an absolute humdinger did you see any of it I didn't uh, when I was traveling, and by the time I got over, it was I'm trying to get food and I landed in Perth. But like, come here, damn uh, it, it was a lovely, a lovely finish. Um, for me, I'm absolutely thrilled for Galway. Um, like we had Phil thrilled on the podcast the week before the, the well, two weeks before the final, because the final was moved the week. And like, I think we got more out of him even when we were just chatting to him after the podcast, and you could see the how would you say the affection he had for Galway and, and things like that, like. Lindsay McKee, you know, what more can we say about the woman? Absolutely unbelievable for them. And it's great to see them coming up with that first, with that first title. I think it's a it's an important one because I think we, re, we the National League really needs a really, really strong Galway side. Like, likewise, it needs a strong side in the, in the Limerick region as well. For Galway to get their first piece of silverware, I think a lot of people will have to take a lot a lot of credit. I think it's been coming to hard work over the last couple of years. But the fact that he's managed to keep that a lot of that squad together. Yes, I said at the start of the year they finished bottom of the league and they proved me they proved me wrong massively every every week, but couldn't be more delighted for them. Um the end of a great competition, a, comp- a really, really competitive game in the final. We, we we've 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 really enjoyed it. It's been a massive stopgap for us in the in terms of the football out the football back home and like i'm glad to see that you know the final sort of gave it a, a, a two good sides and i'm sure you definitely enjoyed it you'll give us your assessment on it yeah well uh the fai invited me to be part of the commentary team for it which was a, a nice little honor as well at the end of the competition but um it was a, a great game both sides approached it in the right manner it was end to end like it was one nil but it could easily have been eight or nine all it was just end to end some really impressive performances uh, particularly 
out wide, um, the two fullbacks for Galway had to be exceptional because uh, Maxwell and McGuinness up front for Cliftonville and out wide for Cliftonville were just sublime. Uh, how they didn't find the back of the net a couple of times, I don't quite know, uh, but they were really, really good. And and, and I think the when you look at like Gemma McGuinness was everywhere. Uh, I know I've spoken about Gemma. I think she's a. I think she's probably the best player in the league in terms of work rate and, and application and attitude. And she really just puts it in 90 minutes every single week. And she deserved... Go on. For me, I thought she was going to drift out of this league. and Because I thought the second half of last year with the Sligo side, she drifted out of it an awful lot because Sligo weren't playing very well. I think moving to go is the best thing she's done. Yeah, I think if you look at if you look at the uh, yeah, and to follow on that point, you look at the likes of Jenna Slattery, Amy Madden, uh, who've joined from Treaty. I think um, Galway have recruited really, really well, and they've gone after specific ta- targets, not necessarily um, the players who just fall on their lap. They've gone after them, and I think they've they've built that side really, really well. Um, but I think other clubs have the capability to do that as well. It's, just, it's a side of it that they haven't quite got right yet. And I think we, if all the clubs can get that and start recruiting from local junior teams and 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 from youth academies coming up through the, their own clubs, I think we, we're going to see a really talented team. And we're seeing it already in terms of the difference in results. We talked about it at the World Cup where teams aren't getting beaten by double figures anymore. Um, a 4-0 is, is about as much as it's going to get, except for the odd exception. 3-4-0 is a, is a really bad beating now where it was double digits 10 years ago at all levels of the women's game. We're also not seeing that in the women's league. Um, like We've seen teams like Kilkenny come into this league years ago and it was regularly 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 nil games. Hard to watch. Yeah, but we're not seeing that with the new teams into the league. Galway are a new team in the league. It's not exactly just a carbon copy of Galway WFC. There's a lot of crossover, but they have brought in a few new players, young girls coming in, and you're seeing the talent now, and you're seeing the, the result, I believe, of the under-17s and under-19s leagues players getting that exposure to better quality coaching, better quality facilities, better quality opposition, week on week, all the time. And I think that's fantastic. I'm going to wreck your head now. Go I'm going to wreck your head now. I don't, I, I'm hoping you didn't see this on social media, just because you've mentioned the under-19s league. Cool. The under-19s league, Shell's played Wexford this week in an under-19s game. Okay. So Shell's had a couple of first-team players playing in it. One was actually sent off and Hannah Healy got a straight red card. Can you tell me who played in goal for Shelburne? Oh, I have no idea. I'm, but I'm guessing from your question, I'm guessing it's not a goalkeeper. Um, no, and I only found out I only found out in the last day or so that she'd actually previously played and um, was part of an Irish underage team in goal as well. No idea. Gemma Quinn. <laughs> Interesting. Would never played on, same, played on the same underage teams. Rebecca Cray posted a photo of herself and. A photo of her and Nivri Burke as the underage international goalkeepers. That's bizarre. That's bizarre. Anyway, um, talk as we get about the game. Let's bring it back to the Irish game. There's four minutes left. Still nil-nil in Switzerland, Norway. Uh, that game uh, ongoing at the World Cup as we speak. Talk to us about the Irish game tomorrow. In a in a nutshell, what do Ireland have to do to get a result and to get the victory against what has been a disjointed Canadian side over the last six months? They need to be more. They need to be more attack-minded. Simple as that. They can't just sit back and hope for the best. If they sit back and hope for the best, 
they're not going to do anything. They need to be more attack money. They need to push more. They need to get, they need to look for opportunities. They need to be more creative. We can't rely on set players. Can't rely on 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 that one moment. I think they can do it, but it just needs to have the right application. And I think they need to go at Canada the same way they went at Canada. They went at France for the first forty odd minutes. Interesting times ahead, but I think we need to go at them the same way as we went at Australia in the last twenty minutes. I think if we yeah. start with that kind of an attack minded. Uh, we're either going to lose 3 0 or win 1 0. And I think yeah. we need to have that attitude going into this game. It remains to be seen. Irish teams don't tend to do that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to let you go because I know you're sitting there post presser uh, from the Canadian side. And we're running out of time here on our end with the, the post match here in Switzerland, Norway as well to come in the next couple of minutes. But um, in terms of the World Cup, are you happy with how it's going so far? What's the experience been like from your point of view? It's been deadly. Um, it's been great experience. It's been. An experience I never thought I'd see before, especially with the with the likes of being in, in the press conference and stuff like that. Just how everything's everything's been run, and hoping to I've only got to one game just due to the fact that I went to the AFL last uh, at the weekend. So I'll get to hopefully get to another game or two in, in Brisbane, and then depending on Ireland go, I'll either go I'll either go traveling and go to a lot of games, or I'll be in Brisbane for another, another week following Ireland. But it's a win win experience, and it's been a it's been a trip of a lifetime so far, and. You know, it's great to see so many Irish out there. It's great to see so many people, familiar faces, National League players, people who who you know and see at games back home, making the trip over and supporting the girls and grin. Absolutely, well, listen. Hopefully, uh, it takes a bit of a, a good turn tomorrow and on the field and a positive result, and uh, we can extend that break for you for another week following the Irish girls uh, in the World Cup. Aaron, as ever, it's a pleasure chatting to you. We're going to cut it there for this week. We'll be back after the game at some point uh, in the next couple of days to uh, debrief on all things Ireland v Canada in the FIFA Women's World Cup. But for now, uh, we leave it there. Aaron, thanks for joining me all the way from the stadium in Perth ahead of the game tomorrow.